All right, welcome back to yet another episode of this lovely Blasters and Blades podcast. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi fans and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. Well, normally that's Doc's job, but she is in the middle of moving, which I don't envy because I hated moving. It's a lot to pack and not break stuff. That's always a pain. Uh, And... Uh, Garber is back on whatever the Border Patrol has him doing, so I don't know, probably playing tiddlywinks. So it's just me today uh, and our lovely ladies as guests. Uh, so we're going to make thing, mix things up with another book review. And if you've uh, listened to the interview of Katie Cross and Derek Sitaway, you know that I was a super fan of that novel, uh, Spring for Spears. So we're going to talk about it. But first, I'm going to let our guests, we're going to start with you, Karen. Uh, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? I'm Karen. I live in Wisconsin on the shores of Lake Superior. So do you like to fish then if you're on the shores of the beach? Yeah, but we don't short, we don't fish the big lake much. We just do inland. Okay. Okay. So do you like long walks on the beach then? You ha- almost have to do that because you live by a beach. Yeah, but with the water coming up, there's not much beach left where there was beach 20 years ago. So <laughs> there's less walking on the beach now. So I live in Newport News, so it's close enough to the beach that I get told uh, I'm supposed to like long walks on the beach. But beaches have tourists, and tourists are annoying. So I avoid it. Zero it's stars. Rough on, it's rough on the legs if you're not used to it. <laughs> this is true, and the, the sand gets really hot. Yeah. So, all righty. Um, and what about you, uh, Carrie? Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Carrie. I live in Virginia. I have been a long time sci-fi fantasy fan so i'm excited about this and uh, thanks for having me <laughs> all right and so now uh we're going to tell you dear listeners dear viewers how we found them so i wanted to do a book review because as you heard in our interview with katie that i love the book if you read my review which i will link to again in the show notes uh so we decided we had to do a review of it because i read it so why not and uh, so I reached out to Katie to Shanghai her readers because they were so loyal into coming on the show. So I had guests uh, and here we are. But before we get started, ladies, we have to do the religion question because it is a requirement for this podcast. So are you ready? Ready. Yep. All right. We're going to start with you, Karen. Star Wars, Star Trek or Firefly? Um, Star Wars. Okay. What is it about Star Wars that you love? Um. It's the one that I've watched the most. My daughter is in love with Firefly and has all of the seasons, but I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. She thinks Nathan Finian is the boss. And <laughs> Fillion is, a, is an interesting guy. I watched him in Castle as well, which was kind of yeah. funny because he played a actor, he played a writer in that show, right. and the show was so popular that they hired a ghostwriter to write books as the fictional character from the show that right. Nathan Fillion played. Yeah, we. So there's a that. ghostwriter for a fake author. And Weird word we live. Now he's in a new movie. Oh, really? Oh, I have yeah. to check that out. I'm not up on all the movies, so I kind of wait till they get to Netflix. So, all right. And then what about you, uh, Miss Carrie? Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Well, um, just because of my age, you know, I, I was introduced to Star Wars, you know, as a child growing up. And um, Star Trek had been on the TV probably, you know, from the day I was born. So, um, but honestly, all three, I guess of the three, I'm more of a Trekkie. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm not up on all the, all the new stuff going on in Star Wars. Um, so don't ask me any, any modern questions. <laughs> <laughs> so Star Wars was a lovely trilogy. It was amazing. I wish they'd do more. Uh, I know they did some pretenders to the throne, but yeah. I'm, I'm an, uh, a trilogy supremacist for, for, for Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, jokes aside, I, I like some of the newer content as well. Um, so Star Trek, did you? Uh, which, which one was your favorite Enterprise? Was it with Captain Kirk, Picard? Picard. Yeah. yeah. So the next generation? Yeah. But uh, I mean, I've watched them all. So I, I did. I did love the hollow deck. Uh, you know, it'd be a lot yeah. of fun to have one of those in real life. Yeah, I would like that. It's that could be a watching, lot of fun. It's fun watching the Captain Kirk ones now and seeing how cheesy they look. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and as the kids say. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's cringe factory, but in a good way. 
Yeah. Um, but you have to remember the ground they were breaking as they made them, oh, yeah. which kind of gives it um, it just some of the the campy moments that it led to, like the mm-hmm. with the uniforms. They wanted to prove they weren't sexist. So in the first season of uh, the Next Generation, they actually had some of the guys wearing those mini skirts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, so many of the things that they introduced are for real now. So there are uh, X Prize contestants, which is a prize that uh, the government sponsors. It's a contest to try to create the new next next big thing in tech, where the guy invented essentially WebMD and a handheld device, and they for the tricorder to try to uh, to make it functional uh, to be able to test for certain things. I mean, it's it's limited in, in versatility at the moment, but it's still amazing how much they predicted. Like that the is- flat screen TVs and the handheld phones, and I, I so. was watching Shatner um, yesterday because uh, I was watching the Unexplained again, and the new season's going to be coming out soon. So I I just like listening to his voice. And <laughs> so, did you know Shatner's going to be on a new reality TV show that he's hosting? I don't know. I don't think I did. So it's celebrity stars on Mars, and basically they're going to be living out in the desert in a faux Mars habitat to see if you can survive. And it's like it's like uh, Last Man Standing, voted off the island, all that stuff, but yeah. in a Mars kind of vibe, Fox Entertainment's putting it on, which I'm kind of like, it looks amazing. Uh, Shatner's going to be on there as the host. But then again, Fox Entertainment's where all the good shows go to die. So I'm afraid they're going to mess it up. You know, because there's potential here. Like they're testing out some of the new technology, seeing how people deal with the stress, the isolation, all of that. So I, I don't know. It looks amazing, but I, I'm, I'm afraid they might mess it up. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I just saw the commercial for it, so we'll have to, uh, I have to see what happens. I don't think it comes out till July, so this episode will be out. It should be before that show is out, so we can, we can all check it out. Maybe we'll do a review of that next. All right. Um, and because we're polytheistic here at the Blasters and Blades, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or Harry Potter? Uh, what about you, Carrie? Oh, um, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. I'm not a Game of Thrones person. Okay. If you had to choose between Potter and Lord of the Rings, which one would you pick? Lord of the Rings. Okay. But I, what about I you, Karen? Know, I love Harry Potter, so. Okay. What about you, Karen? Well, my first introduction to this was the Wheel of Time and then the Sword of Shannara and Sword of Truth series. About Ooh, good stuff. I loved all of those. Which I inhaled all of the books as fast as I could, and I worked on rereading them. Uh, More recently, it would be Potterverse. Did you watch any of the um, Sword of the Truth, the Seeker series that uh, was on the television for, I think, two seasons? Um, yeah. Uh, it was, I don't know. I had mixed feelings about it. I thought they could have done more, but it was good for what right. it was. But then again, like, because I liked it, it only got like two seasons. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where they, they keep the shows that I'm like, eh, whatever mm-hmm. going for like decades. But then the stuff you really like, they're like, I get one season and you are like it. So yeah, I never watched uh, Game of Thrones. So, uh, I don't really like Grimdark. So I never did as a general rule. Um, if the TV series came first, I'll watch that before I read the books on it or vice versa. But then I can't in good conscience start a book series. I know they'll never end because I'll just irk myself. Right. So uh, I'll get around to it when George R. R. Martin gets around to finishing the series. Sounds like yeah. a plan. One of these days. <laughs> One of these days. I don't know what's going to happen first. Uh, Elon Musk opening the Motel 6 on Mars or George R. R. Martin finishing a series. <laughs> My money's on Musk. <laughs> so, all right, dear listeners. Now let's uh, we'll get into the actual book review. So before we get started, we're going to break up the section and define our terms. So first, we're going to talk about the summary, which is where we give a synopsis of the book, sometimes even straight from the back of the, the book. Uh, then we're going to look at the book cover, um, look at the font, the image, the typesetting, the coloring. Does it sell us the book? We'll talk about the main characters. We'll talk about the plot. Is this general idea of the story arc? Was it action-packed, easy to follow, etc.? We'll talk about the world building and the description, how fleshed out was their world. Did I buy it? Could we envision ourselves there? Basically, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll talk about the narration, if applicable. 
Um, and so, ladies, if you guys read and didn't listen, you can sit that part out. Uh, then we'll talk about any major themes and then go overall what we thought of the um, of the book. So um, let me pull up the because I was I thought I had it and I did not the book review our book review, <laughs> the, uh, the book blurb. So I'm going to read you the blurb from the black, the back of the book. Wow. Speak much today, JR. The fate <laughs> of the world of the wolf falls, a wolf rider falls on an outcast. Astrid could, would give anything to be one of the Ulfsark fearless warriors who ride giant Amarak wolves. Like her ancestors, she yearns for the soul deep bond with a wolf, the connection, the union, a chance to prove her worth and honor her mother's legacy. Yet she never heard the wolf song. And with each passing year, it's likely she never will. Astrid refuses to accept her fate. Then an encounter with a nature spirit and a foreign princess dashes her last hope and changes everything. Accused of killing a royal guardsman, Astrid travels to the halls of the Mad King to clear her name and stop a war against her people. Though she has no Amarak wolf, Astrid refuses to fail her tribe, even if she cannot be an Ulfsark. There she'll discover a regular wolf that opens her heart, friends she never asked for in a new world far more dangerous and strange than anything she ever imagined. So... Uh, with that uh, description summary, did that sell you on the book? Would that make you buy it if you weren't already a fan of Katie? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and it's exciting because it is the first book set in this world. So yeah. it's always fun finding a new world to go into. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't ask, but both of you came through Katie or were either one of you uh, Derek Sidaway fans before you found uh, the series? Katie. Katie. Okay. Okay. I thought so, but I just want to make sure. So you liked the uh, the that as a description or summary of the of the book? Yeah. Yeah. I would it, say as it. Go ahead. It's got a good hook. I. That's what I look for in a, in a book, and then I read the first chapter or two, and if it doesn't get to me, then I put the book down and go to a different one. So. Yep. I yeah, I, down <laughs> I, yeah I, I didn't, I, I listened to it, but I, I listened straight through. Um, I will say that this book description is a little longer. Katie's normally a lot more succinct with her book descriptions. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely, you know, the less is more formula. Um, you know, the sort of takes the, the page off the movie trailer guy in a world where, and then insert yeah. whatever. Yeah. So this one didn't fit that model or model, but I mean, I, I still think it's me, so I think it's more Derek than I agree. She she let Derek take the show for the most part and Yeah, I think he, he wrote that. Um I mean it still it still made me interested, so mm -hmm. all right, I'm gonna yeah. share the book cover and we'll 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 take a look at that. All right, so this is the book cover, which I like. Um Yeah. So, all right. So, first off, so obviously I like it. I, I like that it has the silhouette. Um, it, it ha it's reminiscent of the old trad pub style covers without being as boring as most of them were. Um, my complaint against most of the traditionally published fantasy and YA book covers was they looked too much like they were trying to be modern art and not enough like they were trying to sell me the property. Um, I did not feel that way with this one. I like, like I said, I liked the silhouette. Uh, what do you guys think of the cover? Care. Um, I really liked it. I mean, if I was in a bookstore and saw it on a shelf and I was looking for a book, it would be one that I picked up because of the cover and turned it over and read the back. So yeah, it, like it exudes color. power. It, it's eye-catching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they it say red is a go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just saying it exudes power. You can just feel the power of you can see the warrior and the wolf, and it just it it makes you want to read what's inside. It definitely, and they say red is a power color in general. That's why in business they tell you to wear a red tie kind of thing. So I think that color scheme makes it just pop, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. um, although we talked about this when we interviewed Katie and Derek about it, but if this was a true Amarack wolf, it should be a lot bigger than her or closer right. to a horse size to her. Um, but obviously that's not what we got with the image. Um, and so, you know, if you read the story, you'll understand why, obviously, right. but that would be a spoiler. Um, right. But I really liked it. I, I thought it it worked. I liked the font, um, the the way they did the the typesetting. 
Um, it's very clear that it's a standalone series from her others, but it still has the same feel of her other covers. So if you look at this and you didn't see her name on the cover, you could still say, oh, this is a Katie Cross book, which is yeah. generally a goal when you're doing them. That's true. So uh, if you didn't read the blurb uh, and you just saw this image, would it make you buy the book? I, like I, I would be intrigued to, I, I always do go to the blurb, of course, um, <laughs> but um, I would be intrigued to find out more about what's inside. Yeah, I would. Yeah. It would definitely for me too. What about you, Karen? Yeah, I would too. Like like she and this said, one, I always I always read the blurb so I right? have a little more information, but definitely just by looking at it, I would be interested enough to pick it up. So just by I do cover. judge a book by its cover and this one would have had me. And it works in thumbnail too. So if you look at it on Amazon or if you look at it on your Kindle, yeah. it still pops, which is really hard to do. Uh, with artwork if you because that's why I, that's why I think Katie does the less is more she keeps a more simple approach if it gets too busy it gets hard to see when you're looking at it for an ebook I think right so True. this well, this works across the formats I, I also really get pulled in by the covers um, so if your cover isn't appealing I'll move on yeah absolutely I'm curious to see how they take this theme of the silhouette with uh, with the coloring and stuff into future books because they're gonna want all of them to have the same vibe without being the same so right. I can't wait to see what book two's cover looks like you know I just realized it, you know it is spring is for spears and I was just looking at the colors and feeling like they were more not necessarily a spring color but um, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I get what you're saying. You would almost think it'd be like greens and, and browns for, right. for spring or yeah, maybe they, even blue for the sky. They they wanted to make you feel the power of the book, I think. And maybe a green spring color wouldn't have done that as much. I mean, there's definitely psychology in what, the, um, what colors do for you. I know green is supposed to be soothing and calming color. Right. Um, and, and, you know, if you want it to pop, I get, I get what you're saying. I hadn't thought of that, but it makes perfect sense. So, yeah. Huh, interesting. I, they do go through the seasons. I believe that each book is a season. So you're right. It will be interesting to see how it progresses. Okay. I think the red is right. cool because it shows warmth. And spring yeah. starts seeing warmth again. Right. That yeah. makes sense, too. Already the deep thinkers on this show, ladies. All right, so so next we're going to talk about the characters. So the main character is Astrid, as they talked about in the blurb. So a young woman coming of age uh, and struggling to find her identity outside of one of the few chosen Ulfsarks you know, who get privileged to ride the Amarak wolves. Um, so what did you think of Astrid as a main character? Um, I think she was very believable. Um, the outcast, the bullied person. You know, loses her temper, has to learn how to control her temper, um, is extremely sensitive that she's not hearing the wolf song and because she's feeling the pressure of being the descendant of someone important to the tribe. So all of that is really relatable to things that happen in young kids' lives or even our lives. So in the pressures of dealing with everyday life. Okay. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you know, she's, she's been through a lot. Um, she's getting to the point where she's aging out of the program, if, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, yep, she's feeling a lot of things. And, um, I really felt compelled by her character and I felt she was really well-rounded and believable. Yeah, I thought she was um, well-rounded and believable as well. I think she is, and this might come later as, as one of the themes, but it, it's a harsh reality that, that you have to learn as you grow up that sometimes you can try your best at something and you'll just not be good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, any yeah. little boy that ever wanted to play professional sports because they loved to play but had no skill, the musician that was tone deaf, like you have to accept at a certain point in time. Maybe I just outed myself. Anyway, um, <laughs> you have to accept at a certain point in time that, that like – you can do your best and that's commendable, but, but you just don't have what it takes. And, you know, this is obviously not quite the same because it's not a skill base. It's just, you know, are you chosen? 
but she's coming to terms with, you know, you can want something really bad. You can do all of the training to try to get there and you still might not ever win. And you have to learn to make peace with that. Right. And I think that's a, that's a harsh lesson. Most kids have to learn as they, you know, they start aging out of uh, the education system and trying to decide what's next for them in their life. Yeah. yeah I, see, so. I see that a lot coming from the small town that I'm in. Yeah. They, they're so sheltered in this area that then they get out, and go off to school somewhere and they just don't know how to handle it. So it's just so well, different for them. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, if you go like to a lot of the, the elite colleges, for instance, insert any one of them and you think, well, I was my school's valedictorian or, or insert whatever honors you got, but the whole school is full of other people just like you who were also the valedictorian and whatever. And so that's that that's that culture shock you get when you leave a small town, yeah. which is essentially what Astrid grew up in because this, they're nomadic villages. Right. You know, yep. they have to be smaller family clan units because the wolves eat so dang much. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I mean, if you figure a wolf the size of a horse and what a wolf eats now, I mean, I'm imagining yeah. it eats a horse a day on yeah. size, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I still want one as a pet. <laughs> okay. Need a bigger house. <laughs> yeah, I need a bigger house, you know, to accommodate and a bigger budget for the food bill. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of Astrid's character development throughout the, the course of the first novel? I think it was really well, well written. Um, she developed her shyness or her insecurity started going away and she started becoming someone that she thought she could be. And even though she wasn't going to get what she really wanted, but it was a continual, you could see the continual advancement in her um, maturity. Yeah, that's fair. What about you, Carrie? Did you um, did you think? What did you think of the character development as she as the novel progressed? Um, I think that she. I, I agree with Karen. I think that, um, you know, she grew being put in all these different situations that she wasn't familiar with and that she wasn't comfortable with, and. Um, she knew in her heart what she needed to do. Um, and did I answer the question? <laughs> yes. So I, I will say she felt like just because you know her history, her parents were, were her mother was a famous Ulfsark writer that, that had passed. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she grew up under the shadow of her, her mother's legacy. Right. And so you watch her go from being isolated because, you know, because of that and her not hearing the wolf call, she becomes even more isolated because other people are judging her, not just for her own merits, but against her mom's, you know, perceived merits. And when people pass on and they were good at something, the stories tend to get more and it becomes bigger. And yeah. so I imagine the legacy kind of overshadowed her and almost swallowed her. So throughout the course of the novel, as she goes away to the city of the Mad King, um, I want to call him George, but that's not his name. Um, Oscar? But as, <laughs> yes, um, but as as she gets away from that and she can sort of breathe on her own, you get to see her grow into her own person away from the legacy of her mom. Because when she goes to the new new kingdom, she, when she sees the, you know, everything that happens, she's on her own. There is nothing, nothing to hide on. You know, yeah. it's just her versus the world. And so good, bad, or indifferent, she stands alone. And I think that's where you see true just interpersonal development. So I like yeah, that. She had to break out of her cocoon that she was in when she got there. Absolutely. And learn, and learn to stand on her own two feet. So did you have, there were obviously she was the main character because it was told, she was telling the story, but did you have any favorite secondary characters in the, um, in the story? I mean, um, I'm not sure I'm saying it right. You and, okay. Ewan, right? How do you say? Yeah. yeah. Ewan, like Ewan McGregor. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, the bar. The minstrel. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
of course I liked him um, and the rest of them, the twin girls and um, yeah, the other guy. Mm -hmm. um, the minstrels, they were on the one hand, they blended into the background because, which makes sense if you read the novel. We don't want to give spoilers, but if you read the novel, why they blended into the background makes perfect sense. Yeah. But they were secondary characters that were fun to sort of try to suss out what they were doing and why. So I, I'm definitely, you know, because they, they described them right in the beginning as heavily armed, but minstrels. And when you think bards, you don't think warriors necessarily. I mean, anybody who's played any kind of Dungeons and Dragons type trope or red <laughs> fantasy along those lines like you get this idea when you think Bard of a scrawny dude with, you know, oil slicked hair kind of thing. And they didn't fit that mold. Right. Which which made them stick out and left you wondering why. So, yeah, I liked that. What about you, Karen? Did you have a favorite secondary uh, character? The princess, but I can't remember her name. Uh, Rosalind? Rosamond? Yeah. Rosalind, yeah. I, that, I liked her too. That was a twist I didn't see coming. That was, yeah, I didn't see that coming either. Um, I, I, yeah, well, we don't want to give spoilers, but I should say I was, no. that was not what I was expecting. And I generally look for the unexpected because, you know, I write too. So I'm, I'm used to like, okay, how would I twist this? And I had lots of ideas of how that would get twisted. And it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and anybody that reads a lot also kind of gets conditioned to look for where they're going to try to subvert right. expectations. Right. And, and, and they surprised, I think, I think they, they pulled it off well and it was believable. And, and then once you read it and you're like, oh, and so some of the stuff that happened before kind of starts to make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I did like the um, the captain of her guard, of Rosalind's guard, that I, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he was very believable as sort of the typical gruff uh, yeah. soldier. I think I think yeah. it worked um, without being, you know, too over the top, which sometimes can happen. So. A um, character that I would have liked to have seen more of was the um, the spirit of it was the spirit of winter. Um, winter. Yes. Um, so I'm looking forward to more of that type of thing in the future books. Yeah, I've I've told uh, Katie that I want her to stop writing all of her other books to give me more of these, but she said that's not happening. That she likes Bianca. <laughs> So, I mean, not that she's not writing more people. She clearly is, but she won't stop everything else for me and write more of this one. So apparently I've been voted off the island. Apparently. I, yeah. <laughs> we'll vote you back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to pause for a moment before we start talking about the plot, because this is a good breaking point. And we're going to shamelessly shill for the man. And Or actually, I take that back for the woman this time. Thank you, uh, Christina. If Princess Lenathena cannot stave off civil war, then a mad goddess will surely take the throne. The king of Lithonia is dying. When he is gone, Lithonia will be ruled by either a cruel sadist or a six-year-old boy. Princess Lenathena Morthon is third in line, and she has no intention of letting her country burn. She will do whatever she must to protect her people, even if that means leaving the country she loves. When the mad goddess of Hathor sets her gaze upon Lithonia's throne, the king decides to use Princess Lenathena as a bargaining chip with his closest allies in Kaeldanon. Now stranded in a foreign country, away from her center of political power, Lenathena must use every tool at her command to scrape together allies and save her country from a fate worse than death. But will her would-be husband be one of those allies, or just another enemy? Author Christina Gruel de debuts with a dark, high-stakes political fantasy where every new face hides a potential threat. Pick up from the ashes and discover the shadow games that will determine the future of several nations. All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. Uh, all right. So we were about to talk about the plot of the, uh, of the novel. And um, so that's just generally an idea of the, um, the story arc. Was it action packed? Was it easy to follow? Did it lag anywhere? Were there parts that you couldn't buy? And you didn't buy into as in you didn't believe. Um, so what did you think overall of the plot? And either one of you ladies can jump in. Um, I don't think there was any lag in any of the storylines. It kept you just suspenseful enough to keep you reading and wanting to know what was going to happen to her next. Um, or what was, what was going to happen to her next and how she was going to deal with what was happening to her. So... I just kept turning pages. 
Yeah, I stayed yeah. up all night to read it. <laughs> what about you, Karen? Um, yeah. Sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> So what did you think of the plot in the uh, in the story arc? I said Karen. I meant Carrie. I'm sorry. I know. Um, the plot did just continually move forward. Um, it was, I felt like it was powerful. There was always things that were cropping up that you wanted to know more about. Uh, there were a lot of mysterious things that happened. And um, I didn't find any parts that were slow. Um, so... Yeah, I I think the uh, the pacing was really good, which is you know the the how how action packed it was. I think there were enough exciting moments to balance out the plot progression, so it didn't feel like it was dragging on, but it also gave you room to breathe before the between bouts of excitement. Yeah, um, I think that um, that that's one area the two of them did really well in. Um, it was easy to follow, partly because the writing style was a lot more conversational. Sometimes with fantasy YA, you can get the what we call the purple prose, where they can try to be too poetic just for the sake of pretty words that sounded good that can distract you from the story itself. Yeah. Um, and I think between Derek and – I mean, I, I haven't read any of Derek's work yet, but I have read Katie's. I think that's just her normal style. She sort of writes in, you know, more common – I don't want to say common, like – more Tom Clancy, simple, simple prose yeah. style is her, um, which day, makes it easy to read. Style. Yeah, she, she just writes, you know, she tells the story and doesn't focus on getting too pretty with her words, which I like. It makes it easy to follow. Um, I think that kind of preference sort of comes in waves. And, and, you know, but I think the way she did it will be timeless just because it might not be in vogue to write that way, but it won't be hard to understand because it was so so simple in the prose. So, and there wasn't really anything I didn't buy with the plot. I think she seems to understand human nature, which makes it, um, which makes the the underlying you know impetus believable. Um, anybody who's dealt with the real world as an adult understands sometimes life is cruel and unfair, and you see that in this story. So it's not like you read it and be like, uh, yeah, would that really happen though? I mean, I could see it happening exactly as they wrote it um, with, with some of the injustices. So no, I, I think, I think they nailed it on the plot. Yeah. They, um, the plot was great. It, it went along with the growth of Astrid and learning to deal with the pressure that she had and whether or not she was going to get what she want and moved it along. So, yeah. Yeah, and she didn't fall into the sometimes the YA trope of making the main character so angsty you just want to punch him in the face. Right. Um, <laughs> the, some some um, book review sites and, and movie review sites call these characters that were too stupid to live. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah, this was not one of those stories. Like, I, you know, Astrid felt like she could be any one of your sisters, daughters, whatever. Um, having never been a teenage girl, I can't speak exactly, but I did have teenage sisters at one point in time, yeah. and and her reactions sort of fit with, with you know the human nature as I understand it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think I think the two of those the authors, uh, Katie Cross and Derek Sidaway, did an amazing job. All right, so now we're going to talk about the world building and the description. So we're going to you know, look at was the world that they exist in fleshed out. Uh, did it feel believable and lived in? Could you envision yourself there, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Um, and did they give you enough details that you could picture it in your head like a movie? I definitely felt like I could picture what they were describing, especially, um, you know, at the beginning of the story when they were describing, you know, where Astrid was living at that time and um, her tribe. And, um, yeah, I felt like, I could see it as I was reading it. Okay. What about you, Karen? Um, I felt like I stand in there right next to her throughout the story going through what she was going. So yeah, it was very believable and I could get myself, imagine myself into that situation and feel her feels and fear her fears. And the descriptions were really good. You could, imagine yourself in the woods with the giant wolf at chasing after you and yeah i think um katie did a and i say katie 
because she's the one I know. But I mean, I think I think the two of them did a good job at describing things from a sensory level. So they talked about how things smelled, how things felt. They mentioned the dew in the morning grass, which, you know, yeah. if you've ever had to get up and run around, like, you know, because in the army, we did PT sometimes before the sun woke up. And so the way they described, you know, rolling around in the wet grass, I'm like, yep, been there, done that. Um, I think, you know, they just made the nature feel lived in, which given where Katie lives and where Derek lives, because, you know, they've both talked about it in their interview being on a ranch or, you know, in the, in the woods, like it fits that they would make nature believable. Um, it definitely didn't feel like someone living in a concrete jungle tried to explain what it might look like because they yeah. saw a park once. Um, right. so, yeah, it, it felt real as far as the, the world they described. There was hints at enough of the history, uh, especially when they, the, um, the winter spirit mentioned when was talking about things. So you got the impression that there was more to the world than what you were seeing, which is ideal. You know, you want the world to feel like it's lived in without, you know, the, the info dump of, let me tell you the entire history of Middle Earth in the first yeah. five paragraphs. Like that gets boring if you don't already care about the world. Right. Um, so I think, I think they did a good job. I could definitely envision myself there. Um, so I, I liked it. Um, they didn't go as detailed on the characters, like what they look like and what they wore necessarily as I would prefer. I know why authors do that. Cause you want your, your readers to be able to picture that as them, but I'm the oddball who would prefer to know you're like, okay, they have a mole on their right cheek and their hair is red and it flow. You know, I like all those details, mm -hmm. but I'm swimming upstream there. And I know that. Yeah. <laughs> So, so before we move on, do you guys have a preference on your end? Do you prefer to have those level of detailed descriptions of characters or do you like when they, they leave room for you to envision it? I think a little more detail would have been better to help envision what she really, what they really look like. Okay. I think I'm more the other way. I, I like to leave it up to my own imagination. Of course, then when it comes out on the screen, I'm always going, I never pictured them like that. But um, I, I didn't miss those details um, in this book. Yeah, um, you know, there's a reason um, that on the, like for instance, on the video games, the Halo, for instance, the Master Chief, you don't see his face. And the reason for that is by leaving his helmet on the whole time, the Mando from Mandalorian does it, does it too. By leaving the helmet on the whole time, you could picture that as yourself under that armor. There's right, right. That's the reason that the people do that approach. So you can envision yourself because if you describe it in such a way that doesn't look like the person reading it, mm -hmm. um, it could, for some people, you know, stop their ability to to envision it. Um, but like I said, I, I just prefer prefer more of the details. So it's interesting to hear the balance between the three of us about what we what we think there. True. Um, so, okay, all right. Well, then we will move on and we will talk about the narration. So this is where we look at the audiobook um, and consider sound quality, voice of the narrator. Did it fit the story? Uh, did you guys listen or read? I read. I read also. I'm familiar okay. with Katie's narration, but I did not hear it for this book. Um, so I actually really think, uh, on the one hand, I hate Katie Cross because she's like a triple threat. She makes, she understands the business and she can do her own narration and she's an amazing writer. So it's not fair. Um, with that, you know, bitterness out of the way, um, I think she did a really good job. She, I mean, sometimes when an author reads their own book, it's very clear they're not the professional. I did not get that impression. Like I could see her narrating other people's books and not say, oh, this is an amateur narration. Like she, she does an amazing job. Um, so I, I, you know, she's got the skill. She does the accents. She has the uh, post-production help to make the, the final package clean and professional. Um, fun fact is most audiobooks are produced at such a level these days that there's no room to get better because any improvement to the sound quality would be missed by the human ear. Um, because we've already maxed out our ability to process it. Um, and so that's the, the good news for, for Katie is it makes her productions a lot more time timeless because she doesn't have to worry about continually updating. Sure. But I think she, she nailed it and she did the accents and it wasn't, um, sometimes it's comical when a male narrator does a female voice or vice versa. And I didn't, didn't feel that way with this one. Um, and it, it is kind of surreal to have the author read the story to you. 
Um, you know, you can almost picture sitting around a camp circle where, where they're telling you the story, which I really liked. Yeah, I like so, that too. Because um, obviously they know what they want it to sound like. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've sat That's, in on Zoom meetings with her where she's doing the recordings of her books and watching the how she does it. And if she has to stop and go back and do something because it's not quite right. And but I'm not much on audiobooks because I read too fast. <laughs> and the slowness okay. of the reading is hard for me to just go that that pace. So Okay. I, I listened to so I used to be just like you. I had that was my opinion. And then I suffered a head injury when I was in Iraq. So I actually listen because it doesn't put as much strain for yeah. me. So it works. Um, I mean, I still read too because, you know, audiobooks aren't free. <laughs> they, they can get a little pricey. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can see where you're saying where, you know, the preference to listen. And then if you're reading it yourself, you're hearing accents potentially different. You're, you know, right. you're in putting inflections in different places. Um, I will say that. Oh, so sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, when I was commuting to work, that's when I really got into audiobooks and I still listen to them on, you know, car trips. Um, Absolutely. And uh, I actually listen to audiobooks when I'm doing my daily walks and I've, I've lost a decent amount of weight that because I'm like, well, I'm only gonna do 5,000 steps and like I hit 7,000. I'm like, well, one more chapter won't kill me. And so, <laughs> I, you know, you push just a little bit further because you want the story to keep going. Um, so it's, it's a good carrot and stick, I guess, for, for people that are out there trying to get their step on. Um, I will say I thought Katie uh, was an, a good narrator. She was a good fit for the story. Uh, it makes sense that she would be. She wrote the, the story with her voice. So her voice literally reading it to you makes yeah. sense. Uh, but, I, but I did enjoy her, her production. I thought, I thought she nailed it. Uh, I'm curious to see if uh, any of the future books, we might get Derek to, uh, to read some of the male uh, dialogue. So that way it's a male voice and female voice. <laughs> but we'll have to see if we can peer pressure him into it. There you go. <laughs> so the next he, part. I don't know if he'd fit in her sound booth to work with her. So. <laughs> it's, I haven't seen, I think I haven't watched the videos where she records it. I've just heard the final product. And every time we've interviewed her, she's been in her dining room. Um, so, cause that's the best lighting, I guess. Yeah. So I haven't seen her sound booth. Now I'm going to have to ask for pictures. Um, so, so the next part of the. I'm not going to spoil it for you and tell you what it is. Yeah, me either. But... Is it a closet? Because I know some people that actually literally record in their closet. Uh, it could be. Right. But we're not going to reveal that information. It's top <laughs> secret. You have to join her fan club for that information. Exactly. Um, so, so the next part is we're going to look at some major themes um, where if there were any overarching themes that you thought were in this novel. So the obvious one I thought was the coming of age story of Astrid. Um, did you, do you feel like that one kind of fit uh, through the course of, of the novel for you? Yeah. I think that was the major one. Like, I, so I have trouble with the coming of age trope because a lot of times what they're calling kids in these novels. And I'm like, I was on my second war zone by that age. What are you talking about? Right. Um, but I, I also recognize growing up a military brat, you know, I enlisted at 17. So hearing a 19 year old referred to as a kid in any fiction is just like, eh, really? Um, they did the coming of age story. I think Carrie, um, Katie and Derek did without weighing it down and making her seem childish at that age. Right. Right. Um, I know why you want them to be 18 or up because then, you know, they're, the world's more forgiving no matter what you do with the characters, right? Because if you have a, an actual minor doing it, you squick some people out and understandably so. Right. The flip side of that is then when you make them acting like 14 because that's what you really envisioned them as, it, it just doesn't match up when you try to write that, when you try to split those hairs. And so I think I think she did a good job of someone somewhere in the middle of adulthood and, you know, leaving the, the childhood playground as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you go full circle because you open this novel with her and a train. And if you're reading the sample, it's the first 10% people, no spoilers, but the, the book opens with her in the training field, trying to overcome her emotions as she's fighting someone bigger than her. Cause she's described as very petite. Um, and then you compare and contrast that to what we see when she returns, returns home at the end of book one. Um, right. And that's like I said, that's in the description. So no spoilers. I, I feel like, you know, it worked 
as someone who's coming into her own, even though she's started as a chronological adult. Right. I mean, she has so much growth and, Okay. Um, I, the other theme that I, I noticed, and then we'll let you guys, you know, I, I noticed three myself, but I noticed one of the themes that seemed to fit <clears throat> this story was, was the concept of life at a crossroads where you kind of like everyone reaches a point in their life. And we, we hinted at this earlier with, you know, accepting that you might not be good enough at something where you have to decide, you know, the, the road only forks left or right. And which way am I going to go? And whatever I choose will affect drastically the rest of the course of my life. Um, sometimes life sort of forces those decisions on you. And you definitely see that with Astrid. So her choice is because they, like I said, they talk about it in the blurb was stay um, in her kingdom for the chance or in her, in her tribe for the chance for one more season to see if she can be called and hear the wolf song, or she can go to the mad King city and try to prevent a war. Um, and she sort of has to decide what's more important, her personal ambition or the overall well-being of her tribe. And that theme of like sort of life at a crossroad transcends the rest, I think, of the story. Yeah, I think um, what I had written down as one of the major themes sort of is the same theme that you're talking about there, where fate, well, I wrote fate may have a greater, um, may have greater things in mind than what you um, might think. Um, oh, I like that. So uh, I just felt like that kind of went with what you were talking about. Okay. And since they, there was some religion in this book in that she talked to a winter spirit mm -hmm. that was at some level, maybe not quite deified, but definitely in the, in the ballpark of a demigod. Yeah. I think you yeah. see some of that with accepting the idea that, you know, sometimes the gods or God, whatever you prefer, the answer for your prayer is no. And she has to sort of learn to accept that. Like you said, fate may have other plans for you. Yeah. What'd you think yeah. about that one, um, Karen? Yeah. Um, sometimes what you think is your destiny isn't always your destiny. And you have to learn that things change and you have to accept yeah. that. Change. So the, the other one I saw was her having to come to terms with the injustice of the world. Um, because the whole book is about, you know, her trying to clear her name for the, uh, the, the incident with the Rosalind's guard, which like yeah. I said, in the blurb, no spoilers people, but the course of clearing her name and preventing a war from escalating, um, she's constantly dealing with the injustice of the world. Uh, and I think that's something again, that, that falls under almost the coming of age because you have to sort of learn to accept the world as it is and not as you wish it to be. Because yeah. that's the first step of trying to affect change, is recognizing where you start. So, did you guys see any other themes that you thought carried out throughout the throughout the novel? Uh, I have um, that helped me come to you from unexpected places, um, and you know I don't really want to get into that too much, but um, I don't know. I felt like that. And then just your traditional good versus evil, of course, was present. But um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the, what you mentioned, the good versus evil. One of the, my larger complaints about modern fantasy is, and you see it in some sci-fi too, is this idea of everything is gray, the grim dark, the, you know, there really is no good or evil and you end up rooting for the bad guy as much as the good guy. And I think there's room for the moral lessons of good is good and bad is bad. And sometimes you have to pick. I mean, there are certainly times when the world is gray, but there's value in understanding where those lines of morality are. And I think you sort of delve into that a little bit through the incident that brought her to the Mad King's city. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers, but you definitely, and that comes under her coming to grips with the injustice of the world. Exactly. Um, so I definitely like that. Or did you have you guys have any other themes, or do you want to move on to our overall thoughts? Well, I, the whole pressure to live up to her family expectations and how you realize that you know you have to live your life and can't rely on depend on what people expect you to do. Yeah. If it's not yeah. making you happy because it's you are doing it because someone else expects you to do it, then you're not 
doing it for the right reason. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, I think that's a, that's a good one too. Yeah, that's good. Um, so did, so the next part is where we're going to talk about the overall, uh, our overall thoughts on the book. Um, basically your opinion on it overall, would you recommend it to your friends and why? Um, so as a general sort of overarching view of the book, like it, love it, hate it. I loved, loved it. it. Yeah, we both loved it. <laughs> yeah, I gave it. I don't like. I don't like having to wait so long in between books. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I just reread it, and then I go on to this next one. So. Yeah. Well, at least Katie and Derek seem to be uh, willing to put the work in. I don't have any fear, at least with them, that they're going to yeah. leave me hanging. And unfortunately, if you wait for authors to finish books. Sometimes the lack of buying because people do that indicate, oh, well, this isn't a good investment. So the authors will never finish it because it didn't get the sales. So it's a double-edged sword that's a result of certain famous authors leaving you hanging for a decade or more on various popular series that you'll never get a conclusion to. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a hard thing to, to balance. But yes, I definitely... Um, I definitely liked it. I, I definitely don't want to wait for more. That's why I tried to peer pressure Katie into stopping all of her other books, but she wouldn't, Mimi. How <laughs> um, much did you offer her, though? I mean, you have to hit the right price point. I offered her coffee, and she said she could get her own. Oh, see? See, that's where I would have given her, so I, I don't have any ideas. <laughs> Chocolate. Chocolate. Uh, and definitely... Maybe get, we should get her her own wolf, but then she's got kids, so maybe she doesn't want a wolf around them. <laughs> I think her three dogs are as close as wolves as she wants right now. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Karen, what did you think of the of the story overall? Um, overall, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, the book cover, from the book cover to the blurb, I mean, the book cover would caught my eye, which would made me read the blurb, and then I would buy the book and got me hooked in the first few chapters. And so I just kept reading and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, definitely. Good pace. And well, what about you, Carrie? Uh, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I'm, um, I love the book. It pulled me in. Um, I haven't read, I can't think of, books that I've read in a, in the same vein um, where there's that possibility of connection between, you know, a person and an animal on that level um, as a warrior team. Um, and I enjoyed the world, the world and its different settings. But I'm also, I just feel like there's going to be so much more coming there's so much more to look forward to. Um, there's things that are alluded to by the spirit of winter that I'm really interested in. I'm interested to see where new relationships between the communities are gonna come into play. Um, and also, you know, what else is gonna happen with, um, we'll just say the bad guys and, and where that's gonna end up. But I gotta wait. Yeah, Absolutely. I definitely. Go ahead. I like that beginning where when you're when introduced you to this new world and they have the vocabulary at the beginning. Mm -hmm. They explain the words and who what the certain things are so that when you, I mean, I found myself looking back into that and saying, okay, yeah, that's what this was. And if it hadn't been there, you wouldn't have had that flavor. That's true. You know, that that under deeper understanding of what was going on without the knowledge of the vocabulary. Yeah. Um, so overall, I'm going to try to mix this up a little bit. First off, I will say if you're, you know, maybe I should have done this in the beginning. Uh, if you're deciding to read this book, give you one little bit of a content warning. Um, I think this novel is sort of appropriate for anyone sort of 13 and up, but there, there weren't really any vulgarities that I noticed, but there was one scene um, and you got to understand we're working around the algorithms of YouTube. But there was one scene that hinted at the possibility of a violent romantic encounter where the female protagonist wasn't willing. Um, you can read between the lines there. And so I understand that's a sensitive subject for people. It wasn't gory. And like I said, it, it's, it stopped before it got to that point. 
But I do think, you know, it, if you're going to make an informed decision, you should probably, I think you should know that. Um, overall, I, I thought the pacing was well done. Um, it definitely sort of the, the characters that lived in the Wolfmore, which is the the kingdom that uh, Astrid is from, it felt like it was inhabited by sort of just Joe Everyman, which I really like. So I'd give this story f um, five stars for sure. It had me hooked. I, I will say I'm probably not the target audience. I don't generally read YA fantasy, but when we did the interview, uh, Katie convinced me with her pitch that it was worth checking out. Um, I even got my mom to to read it um, because I, in my comparison in my book review, and I intentionally didn't reread that review before we talked about this because, you know, separate uh, thoughts. So I thought it's worth, um, you know, you checking that out too, and it's linked in the show notes. But this basically is the kind of the book, if you like Dragon Riders of Pern, this book is for you because it's basically sort of that story, but cooler because wolves beat dragons. So, <laughs> uh, and, and Astrid definitely gave me sort of some some uh, Xena Warrior Princess vibes, uh, which yeah. is like one of my first crushes growing up watching that show, which which I like. Um, it's it's um, it's the story of the everyman, an, an underdog, because you know you talk about Astrid's petite size, um, but. Katie did it in a way that made sense for anyone who understands anything about martial arts, because, you know, when you see a girl who's five foot nothing without magic or enhanced armor or whatever to explain away the unbelievable, when those characters suddenly can beat up the six foot, you know, 300 pound muscle bound Hulk who's been training his entire life to be a fighter and they beat them up easily with no question, it just sort of strains incredulity. I think the way Astrid was described even when she's fighting bigger people, it made sense. Like she set it up. She used speed and cunning over brute strength. Like she outthought them instead of outfought them, which is an important distinction. Um, you could definitely see some of um, Katie's inside knowledge because her, her husband was into the martial arts at some level. Um, if you know, you know. And so I think I think it was overall it was very believable, and I was definitely definitely hooked. And I am gonna peer pressure her until I get booked too. So are we there yet, Katie? Are we there yet? Because I know she's going to listen. <laughs> she better not hear that you prefer wolves over dragons. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, that could, <laughs> that, I want to just support dragons here today. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I always liked wolves. I think my first exposure to wolves in fiction was the Belgarion series by David Eddings. And he turned into a wolf. And ever since then, I'd be like, that sounds really cool. Yeah. I don't know. This little boy in me just was hooked. So, um, I, and I started oh, yeah. reading novels really and young. Our connection with dogs. So, what's that? Our connection with dogs then yeah makes us closer to wolves. I, I think so. Um, and so, I, I I don't know. For me, I, I like the wolves. I mean, I, I I'm on my fifth copy of Dragon Riders of Pern because I read through it and then the book falls apart eventually. So it's not that I don't like dragons, but if I had to choose, I'm picking the wolf every day. Okay. All right. So if you were going to rate this story on a scale of one to five, uh, obviously I'm giving it five stars. I, I sort of let that cat out of the bag. But what about you, Karen? Is it a five star for you? Yeah, it's a five star for me. It was a page turner. And like I said, I started reading it and stayed up all night to finish it. So yeah, not a lot of books that I'll do that with. Fair, fair. What about you, Carrie? Oh, yeah, definitely five stars. All righty. And with that being said, as we bring this home, remember, I will link the book in all of the show notes, my review that was written for Upstream Reviews. Um, I will link to Katie and Derek's contact information if you want to stalk the authors. Um, the, the guests that we have today aren't authors themselves, uh, so they don't have their own social media presence. But if you ever want to share nerdy book talk with them, they do hang out in the... Um, Witchery. In the fan club for Katie Cross, the, the witchery, I think you called it. Yeah, the witchery. Yeah, so I will link to that as well. And uh, and I will link to the fan club for Derek, if that's more your speed. Um, so, you know, you can or follow both of them, which is what I would do and what I did. So uh, before we wrap this up, what are you guys reading uh, right now? Um, starting a new one. From another, I can't even think of it right now. <laughs> My brain is fried. Um, true, true. It's ten o'clock at the time we're recording this. Yeah, I, I'm reading Ink 
Inkblood Sister Scribe. Um, I'm okay. a little over halfway through it. Um, but I also just had finished Katie's more her, um, I think it's just being released, Sister Witches book four. Um, I, I'm always in a book, so. So do you, can you guys read more than one book at a time or are you like a one and done and then the next one kind of I'm person? I'm one and done. I prefer one, time, one okay. and done, but I can read multiple books at a time. Okay. I read I, I read over a hundred pages an hour, so one and done is holy too hard. garbage. <laughs> so I can read two at a time, but I, I can't read two fiction or two nonfiction at a time. So I can read one of each at a time. That doesn't bother me. Um, because I got used to doing that when I was in college because you had to read the uh, you know, whatever your textbook was and then yeah, whatever yeah. you read to escape the textbook. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, right now, just because you know, I'm we're leading up to uh, to Independence Day season because we're recording this in June and airing it in July. So I'm reading John Adams by David McCullough. I hope I pronounced his last name right. Um, and then I'm going to watch the HBO special based on that book. Um, and then I'm also reading Unmasking Autism by Dr. Devin Price. Um, you know, I've, I've made no secret that I have special needs kids. So helping them help themselves, which is the, the object of that book, seems like a, a useful skill. So I'm reading that. I recommend both of them. Oh, yeah, um, I'll have to look into that, um, the autism book. I'm glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's it's told, so not everything, because I had sons, not everything is relatable because the Devin is a female and she's writing about her experience being autistic and how that's different than how it's, for most males that are autistic, her experience is different enough that I think it's worth looking into. Um, but I do think there's there's some crossover as well between, you know, just across the gender spectrum that there's some universality there as well. And she talks about all of it. So um, I recommend it. I, I think it's an easy read too. It's not too difficult. It's not too academic. So I definitely, I definitely are recommend that. What are you saying that. about me? Are you saying that I, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm talking to the entire audience and I know some of the people listening to my podcast are, are our army veteran infantry types. So, I mean, we're just doing good if they can string cat in the hat together. Yeah. The, the one, the ones I'm getting into are, um, Dragons of Dragonos by okay. Lady V and Alice Brown. Okay. And then the other one is just by the Alice Brown and it's Vampires Among Us. It's a three book series. Oh. So you I did mean, mention I that. Would, what's that? I said both of you mentioned that you prefer to read it uh, versus listen to it, but are you guys print ladies or are you ebook? Uh, print. Do you two? Okay. Uh, due to some physical issues, um, it's now easier for me to read an ebook. Um, so I mostly. You can magnify it. it. Yeah, um, it hurts my wrists to work with a book um, over a long period of time, or even my fingers and hands. Um, so, yeah. So I will say this, uh, if, if any of you listening are married, it's easier to hide how many books you've been buying on a Kindle because you can slip it in your pocket than it is your library, which is suddenly yeah. overflowing with tons and tons of boxes. So that's one benefit. Uh, I will say that if you buy the books that uh, I recommend you download them because that is an option. So that way, if anything ever happens, you've got your copy of the book. Um, cause the last thing you want is some, you know, e-publisher and there are lots of them decide to yank the book for whatever reason and you're in the middle of it and then you can't, can't read anymore. So you paid for it, back it up. That's what I do. Um, all right. Well, as we bring this to a close, uh, we'd like to remind you, dear listener to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So uh, leave it a review on Amazon, Goodreads, Barnes & Noble, BookBub, any place that you buy it. The author's website gives you an opportunity to leave reviews if you buy it direct, which I highly recommend. The authors make a little bit more of the money that way. Uh, and if you are extra motivated, start a website and write a review there uh, or just go over to Goodreads. Um, but your reviews do help sell the books to the right readers. And sometimes... Um, even a bad review will sell a book. So, I mean, not saying to go write bad reviews, but right. um, all reviews have value as long as they're well thought out. Um, I mean, obviously the joke among authors is a few of the authors have gotten book reviews of this was not the Jimmy Dean sausage I ordered. Um, <laughs> but aside from, but those have value too, because we can just laugh at them. 
There's a whole website that does nothing but comical reviews that Amazon has ha has hosted along the years. Um, but yeah, so so share your thoughts, people. It does help spread the word. Um, you know, the the cult of the book is a is a valuable uh, commodity. But uh, all right, so we talked about where you could find them. I will link in the show notes. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Again, twitter.com backslash underscore uh, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. Wow, it's late at night, people. It's been a long day. Uh, you can email us at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. You can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and Tech blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on these shows aren't free to reproduce and your uh, contribution helps you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast and i promise i will keep my co-hosts doc seska and nick garber duly caffeinated they will drink until they can see sound and hear colors and that's the good stuff <laughs> so how do you ladies take your coffee i'm assuming you drink it if you read because you got to stay up black i'm sorry i'm a tea person i'm an iced tea person okay okay how do you drink your, your tea sweet and iced Iced and uh, artificially sweetened, yes. That works. Uh, <laughs> in the South, they call sweet tea table wine, and we just drink a lot of it. Oh, it was, yeah. it was so good. Absolutely. And uh, and lastly, because we haven't asked this for a while, but we used to ask all of our guests, pineapple on pizza, heresy or capital punishment? Capital punishment. <laughs> you notice I'm biased in the way I phrase that question, but Karen, you're, you're smirking. Do you have other thoughts? Do you like pineapple on pizza? Yeah. Anything okay. but anchovies. Anything but anchovies. Okay, I can get behind. Well, I mean, I'll eat anchovies, but they're not my favorite. Um, well, all right. Dear listener, dear viewer, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Handley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And ladies, I appreciate you coming on the show and doing this interview with me. You're thank welcome. You. It was fun. It was. It was. All right. We will have to see if we do more book reviews. We'll, we'll give you invites back if you so desire. All right. Love it. Take care. Bye.